<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of the Career Contessa podcast, your shortcut to being more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin, and I know you work hard, but does your boss? Too often, managers overlook employees who aren't directly in front of them. When this happens, it's easy to feel undervalued and even discouraged. That's why it's so important to make your responsibilities, as well as your achievements, visible to your leader. But how? Career expert Melody Wilding is here to share four tips to help you stand out, especially if you're working remotely. And now, this is the Career Contessa podcast. Hi, Melody. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me again. All right. So we have another shift and the shift that many companies have made from in-person to hybrid and remote work models has its benefits. But one of the major downsides is the lack of visibility for remote employees. And I would love for you to share some of the data that is coming out about remote work and performance now that, you know, we've been doing this, you know, a couple of years by now. Yeah. And I, I think that's a great point that when the pandemic first started, we were sort of just finding our way through that. But now we've had three plus years of this. Now we're seeing, okay, what's the effect on people's career trajectories and our relationships now that we've been in remote or distributed arrangements for a while? And one of the most interesting studies I've come across that I think confirms a lot of what many of us have felt is that communication in the remote world is much more siloed. It's much more disjointed sometimes. It can be harder to communicate with people because you have to be much more proactive about it. And as a result, you know, so many of us have lost those organic opportunities for visibility. We don't have as many chances for those hallway conversations or someone sort of observing you presenting from afar as they're walking you know, walking around the office. And so you have to be much more intentional about how you go about getting visibility, but it can be harder when you're at a distance. Yeah. It's interesting just because on the flip side of that, I think sometimes people were maybe like unfairly judged, you know, use whatever word you want, but judged by their managers or people, their colleagues or coworkers 
for things because there was that proximity also, right? Like, you know, now maybe your presentation skills are getting more feedback, but also maybe you're getting feedback on things with your presentation skills that really aren't about your presentation skills. They're about, you know, my personal preference is that you do X, Y, Z or something. So I feel like it's, it's like, either side of this coin, there isn't like a perfect solution, obviously, but obviously before we, we, we didn't really do very many things remotely and you were especially not giving presentations or doing big things remotely. You know, that was almost always in person. I want to talk about something called proximity bias. What, what is that? That's another kind of term that is coming out of more of this reporting that's been happening. Yes. And it's really important to be aware of this, especially as now we sort of have this divide between people that are staying remote and folks that are returning to the office. So the proximity bias, very simply put, is the fact that we tend to have a likeness or we tend to like people more when we're physically close to them. So what the research finds is that people who are going into the office tend to be rated more favorably than their colleagues who may be remote full-time. I hate this. (laughs) I just want to say I hate this because I do feel like one of the other shifts that's happening is, yeah, we're having some reports come out, but I also feel like remote work is getting blamed a lot for this lack of productivity and the lack of productivity is why we have lower performance, which is why we're doing layoffs. Like, I think this just feeds into like this perfect little storyline for managers and exec teams that maybe wanted people to be back in the office anyways. And like, we're struggling with that power dynamic. So I just want to put this out there that I like, I also find that this is like perfect timing for them to be saying like, oh, you're less likely to get, you know, that really important feedback when, again, I feel like the people who wanted to be back in the office the most were were the managers and the executives. And it just, one of the things I've been saying for a long time, what has always scared me about the COVID pandemic as it related to work and how it shifted work is that we're all just going to go back to the way it was and like nothing will have changed in the three years. And there's so many benefits for a lot of groups, I'm thinking, especially for women, that flexibility and remote work works well for, right? So anyway, I just want to go on the record. I hate that that is true, that you are more liked if you are like physically closer to me. I also want to talk about another thing that you write about or you 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 kind of research about, which is that managers are really unhappy right now. And I would say that this is absolutely true with everyone I talk to, middle managers especially, are so exhausted. What is happening? Yeah. You know, I think burnout has been affecting everyone. We've seen the rates of burnout go up drastically since 2020, but middle managers are being hit very hard because think about it. What And what I'm seeing among my clients is that they're having layers of management removed above them. Yeah. And they're, they're encountering so much uncertainty you know, priorities are constantly changing, your objectives may be a moving target. So there's a lot of uncertainty and swirl from the higher leadership levels. And then also beneath them, there may be layoffs of some of their key staffs. You know, I have a client who recently just lost several of her direct reports because they either left for other organizations or their positions were eliminated. And now as a result, she has over 10 direct reports that she has to oversee. So it's really this double whammy of being squeezed in the middle. Yeah, I've absolutely heard that too. And it's interesting because 
when you are not a manager, it's so easy to blame everything on the manager. And then when you become the manager, you realize like, wow, this is such a delicate balancing act. Now, look, there are some people who are better at being able to manage that and handle it. And they say the right thing at the right time. And then there are other people who just don't, or like they don't respect the boundaries. But I also, it's a huge struggle to your point. Like if you lost a ton of your direct reports or they kept moving the finish line on you, and then you have to be the person who reports that back down and it makes it look like you're the indecisive one. Yeah. So it's, it's a frustrating place to be the, you know, the middle man or middle woman for sure. If you've been following us for a while, you've probably heard me talk about the benefits of regular blood testing for health optimization, which is why I'm excited to share this sponsor with you, Inside Tracker. To live your healthiest and longest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. By using data from your blood, DNA, and fitness trackers, Inside Tracker gives you personalized and science-backed recommendations on things you can take control of to optimize your health, like food, supplements, workouts, and lifestyle choices, including ways to optimize sleep and stress. Inside Tracker tests and provides optimal ranges for over 40 biomarkers like magnesium, vitamin D, testosterone, cortisol, and ferritin. The thing I love most about Inside Tracker is that they have a strict science-backed approach to everything they do. If your specific biomarker level is unoptimized, Inside Tracker provides recommendations that are backed by dozens of peer-reviewed studies and personalized to you specifically. This process was set in place by their founders that include experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. Also, the process has been really simple. They have an easy-to-navigate website and portal, and I personally just did the DNA kit, and everything is sent to you in a neat box with super easy-to-follow instructions. I mailed it back, and I can't wait to see my results. For a limited time, you get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store when you sign up at insidetracker.com contessa. So if you're ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, along with science-backed recommendations to optimize what's not working, then visit insidetracker.com slash Contessa. A Dear Media original podcast. What does an American look like? If you tell the story of America, whose story would it be? I'm Tracy Ellis Ross, and I want to share with you the America that I know. Inspired by the words of Langston Hughes, I Am America is a collection of untold stories that make up the complex and beautiful promise of our country. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. So there was another, okay, one more term that I kind of just want to get out for like our vocabulary is operational transparency. And what is that? And then why is it important in what you're noticing with these shifts and these, you know, managers being unhappy and all of that? Yeah. So it might be helpful to explain this term with a story. Yes. So let's go back maybe 40, 50 years. <laughs> We're going to go back to the mid 1960s when the ATM machine first came out. And you can imagine it was a huge hit. It was so much more convenient to get your money out. You didn't have to wait in the bank. But what they found is that people's satisfaction with their banking experience actually went down after the ATM came out. And what researchers found is it was because of this idea of operational transparency. 
because customers couldn't see the effort and the love and care and attention and thought that was going into their transaction, they were less satisfied with the experience. Now, what does this mean for us and our workplaces today? You know, you you do have to think of your boss as your best customer. And in that same way, if you are remote and your boss has no idea what you're doing, how you're thinking about approaching it, they don't see your thought process and your rationale, then that really opens you up to be a greater victim of that proximity bias. And on top of that, we were just talking about managers being very overwhelmed. Your manager does not have time. (laughs) Your manager may not have time to devote as much to your professional development as you want. They may not have time to be as conscientious as they would like to be asking about, what are you working on? Talk, Talk me through the steps you've taken or share your wins with me. They just have so much going on at all times that you need to help them help you. Yeah. And so operational transparency is all about how do you make your work and your process more visible to your manager to not only benefit them, but to also benefit you. Do you think if we were better at that than some of the bad rap that is going on about hybrid and remote work would be as much like, do you think part of what's happening is like, we're not as great at showing people the effort we're doing. And so therefore they maybe assume the worst. Whereas like when we were in the office, I mean, it does take more work to have to like show it versus just be there in person. Like it's funny we're doing. Um, so we have an accountability program called career camp and it's, we launched it for the first time this year. And so, you know, when you do things the first time you're learning and one of the things I really want to do or like, I guess the analogy I would make is it's kind of like, I'm the professor and I have a lecture class of 300 plus people right now. Everything would be easier in person, like the little networking group, finding an accountability partner, every piece of this would be easier in person. But we, but then all, you know, if you look at the people who are in the program, they're from all over the country. So obviously it would limit who could be there pros and cons, but it is interesting because I'm realizing like, it is actually taking me more hours to prepare and put together a program like this because I don't just get that proximity. So I imagine part of what's happening is that it takes more energy and effort to show that versus being the first person in at the office, being the person who's chit chatty in the hallway, right? Like those things, all things considered maybe are a little less fatiguing or maybe they're just fatiguing in other ways because you still have to commute and all that. So yeah, I mean, like, do you think if we were taught how to have this operational transparency, maybe hybrid and remote work would be <laughs> more, have a more positive lens with it. I do. You know, I, I teach online classes. So I'm a professor at a university and I always tell my students that online classes are not easier than in-person classes. They require yeah. a different skill set. Yeah. And I, I think the exact same is true for remote work where you're right, you do have to put more effort and thought into making your work visible. I do think there are ways you can systematize it so it becomes more automatic and it doesn't have to be such a, a lift every time. But it is it does require you to place your attention in different places than you might have before. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. It's just a different skill set. And the good news is it's a learned skill. So we can figure this out. Okay. So coming up next, you're going to share some tips on how to create this operational transparency, or really, I think this is very important because there are a lot of people who maybe are getting ready for performance reviews or thinking about stuff. And 
one of the one of the main complaints I hear is my hard work is going unnoticed, but I still want to work remote or I still want to work hybrid. So how can I blend what you're saying is important to the manager and also kind of keep that flexibility that I'm having? And that comes down to this skill set of being able to show them, not just tell them at your performance review, you know, your hard work and what it is that you're working on. So I'm, I'm like turning this into like a little academic class for us, but okay. Melody, show us or tell us what would be the first tip you have on how to apply operational transparency at work. The first is to build trust through light touches. And now we talked about the proximity bias before, which is being in the same physical space as someone leads to them considering you more favorably. But the same is true about the frequency and the quality of your interactions with people, regardless of whether they're in person or not. And so in the remote environment, I've had a lot of clients who have had success with putting in place either a daily or a weekly huddle with their manager where they're sharing what they've already worked on, what they plan to do today, and then using the opportunity to talk about what's blocking them. So that's that's one way to make those light touches, something that happens fairly automatically. Yeah. We had an article about this and it was basically the article was all about how to send this as an email template. So I'll put a link to this article in the show notes, but it was like every Monday, here's a template that you would send to your boss. And every Friday you would essentially like answer that. And it would be like, here are the things I'm working on top priority, lower priority things. The best part about these emails or these light touches is that you're not putting an assignment on your boss's plate, right? Because there isn't a need to respond to this email unless they see something glaring where they're like, oh, we've completely changed direction. Don't work on this anymore. I think that's so easy to do. And you could just make it part of your Monday morning routine and your Friday afternoon routine. And it would go so far, not to mention it creates a paper trail for you about what you're working on. So when it comes time to thinking about like, what did I work on? What did I do this year? You've, you've already got that built in. I really love that. Okay. So say you've been stewing about a health problem that you have, and you almost resort to texting your group chat to get your friend's opinions. Or if you're like me, you actually do end up texting your one friend that is studying to be a doctor and you'll take any word she says as a diagnosis, even though she does plead that you do not do that. Well, what if I told you that you're extremely unlikely to find quality medical advice in your group chat, but you can find it from a doctor on ZocDoc. Thousands of medical professionals on ZocDoc are there to help you. They listen like a friend, but they also give you the expert care you need. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. No more doctor roulette or scouring the internet for questionable reviews. With ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor that you haven't even met yet. Millions of people use ZocDoc's free app to find and book a doctor in their neighborhood who is patient-reviewed and fits their needs and schedule just right. Go to ZocDoc.com Contessa and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Contessa. ZocDoc.com slash Contessa. What's your second tip? Yes. 
Second tip is to optimize your one-on-ones. And I'm sure, Lauren, you see people make this mistake all the time. I see it happen all the time, which is people allow their manager to drive their one-on-one. And one-on-ones can really turn into just a status update, you know, rundown of where's this project at? Okay, how about this one? And you're not really making the most of that interaction with your manager, which is the most valuable time you have with your boss, I would argue. And so really simple tweak you can make is adding a recent wins section to your one-on-one so that you have an opportunity to insert (laughs) what you've been working on, what's been going well, and to not only talk about what you've accomplished, but how you accomplished it. And I think that's important because that gives you the opportunity to storytell, to put on display skills you have around strategic thinking or problem solving, conflict resolution. So really maximizing that time you have is really crucial. Yeah, I love that. And I agree with you. Too many one-on-ones are just like a punch list. And then too many people allow their managers to direct it. And Another thing that you could do if you want to be very likable to your manager is you be the person to direct it a bit more if, you know, maybe your manager prefers to do it. But if they don't prefer, and I feel like a lot of managers just feel like they're supposed to do it, I don't know that they love doing it. But if you can send an agenda or come with some sort of, you know, structure to the meeting so that it's a 15 minute really, really well used 15 minutes versus 30 minutes that is not used as well. I, as a manager, would appreciate that so, so much. I don't think I would care that I don't get to chit chat with you in the hallway because I would feel so good about our interactions. And I I also think just for the managers, it's, it's a, you know, think of how many one-on-ones they're having, you know? So if you can stand out as being the most efficient and best use of one-on-one time, like you're going to naturally rise to the top in their head as, as far as people who are concise, can get work done, understand priorities, all that good stuff. So that's a, that's another really good tip. And what's, what's number three? So number three is creating a window into your work. So going back to that idea of operational transparency and the ATM, when people couldn't see what was going into the process of their transaction, it wasn't as valuable to them. So think about how can you make your planning or your process visible to your boss? Maybe that's some sort of real-time dashboard or metrics or a rundown of your client feedback. How can you give them a window into what's going on so that they feel more secure, that work is getting done, it's getting done well? Yeah. I think a lot of people default to just CCing their manager on every email too. I would assume that most managers probably don't love that. Maybe they ask for it. Some managers do ask for it. But I'm thinking of someone in my life who actually could use these tips a lot. And one of the things is they work mostly remote. And I feel like they're very busy answering a lot of emails, doing all this busy work. But what their boss continuously tells them is like, you know, this type of report having this report on time is very, very important to us. And so I'm always coaching her to tell her like, spend less time answering some of those emails or, you know, say you're only going to answer emails between this time and this time and get those reports done. Right. So I also think to your point about this window is also make sure the window is into what's important or what's really valuable to them. Okay. But I guess the follow-up to that is like, there are some people who are just like so busy with like tons of little tasks, like, you know, they're putting out 
fires all day long. And so it is maybe harder for them to get to those big things. How do you show a window into your work? If your work is like, I'll give you an example. Like when I was an administrative assistant, my only job was to answer phone calls and emails, right? So how do I show them or again, without CCing them on everything that this is a window into my work and, and how, you know, how well I'm doing with it? Well, I think you made a good point about understanding your boss's priorities. So you really do have to understand what is your boss being measured on? What does your boss's boss care about? Yeah. And in your case, answering emails or making a certain amount of phone calls may, what does that roll up into in terms of a certain metric or KPI that they're being measured against? And so you're right. You don't want to be sending your boss an update every day of, I made five phone calls, but maybe biweekly you send a report with a summary, with highlighting some of the the biggest hits or the biggest milestones you were able to get. But it's up to you to create a story around how does this connect to the bigger picture of what we're trying to achieve as a team? So like you said, you can't just provide the data. You also have to explain what does this mean and help them make sense of it. Yeah. If you don't do that, it's all too easy for your boss to open the email, their eyes glaze over and they say, I don't have time for this. I don't know what this means. And they just move on. Yeah. I I was also just thinking too, I think if for some reason you're coming up against a challenge constantly mentioning it as well, because it's very frustrating for bosses to hear about a challenge, like when the challenge is three months old versus hearing about the challenge right away. So that's another thing you could include if it's happening. Like again, using that person as an example, if you're drowning in all these like menial tasks, maybe you need to get some help and some support, but when you're drowning in it for six months and you don't say anything, And then you miss a big deadline, you know, but nobody knew that you were doing it. So that's another thing is like, sometimes your your hard work is going unnoticed, but also sometimes your challenges are also going unnoticed. So, you know, they, they're not mind readers. You have to let them know. I think that's a really good tip. Okay. What's your fourth and final tip? That is future pace in your communication. So you were alluding to this throughout our conversation that a manager loves nothing more when you can take stress and when you can take a burden off of their plate. I think every manager I've talked to says their best people are very self-directed. They take a lot of initiative. They come to their manager with solutions, not problems. We've we've all heard that before. And so a lot all of the tips we've been talking about are aimed towards how do you reduce your boss's sense of vulnerability and ambiguity because they have enough of that going on. So the more you can give them a sense of security and confidence in you, the better. So future pacing in your communication may look like they give you an assignment. You, you don't just say, okay, got it. You actually explain to them, thanks. What I've heard from you is X, Y, Z. As a result, the next steps I'll take are ABC. That will mean by Wednesday, I should have this for you. And by Friday, we should be able to get this to the client. So you really want to walk them through what's coming up next so your boss knows what to anticipate and feels comfortable. And also use the opportunity to talk them through your reasoning and your logic. So this is really your chance to put on display your ability to think big picture and to really problem solve and show that instead of just writing on your performance review, I'm good at problem solving. You're actually showing, not just telling. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge piece of this is you can't just tell people you have to show and you have to show impact. You have to show how you did it. You know, like all of that is becoming way more important, especially with the proximity not being there as much. So for people who are listening, who are like, okay, I can make these communication changes, right? Like I'm, I'm kind of like this, as you can tell, I love like a plan. I'm very black and white. I'm like, okay, that's the plan. Like every Monday, every Friday, like I will not miss it. Every one-on-one, I will do these things, right? What if you're doing those things and you still feel like your hard work isn't getting the notice or the appreciation or just you're feeling like it's not enough? Do you, do you say, okay, I have to go in the office one day a week or I have to like, do you, do you succumb to like, what's the next option? (laughs) (laughs) That's such a good question. You know, I think there's a couple of levels as someone who was also, I've worked remotely my entire career. So I'm kind of allergic to being in an office. So I get it. But I think there's different levels here. If your boss is not really responding to or receptive to some of this communication, you have to check in with them to ask, you know, is this helpful to you? How else would you like to receive this information? What would be most useful to you? Because it may be the type of information you're sharing, the format, the frequency that is just too much or too little for them. So there might be something easier within there. It might be something you have a broader conversation about to make sure, you know, am I serving you in the best way possible? Are you working on the highest priority items that your boss actually does care about and that are important to the company? And -hmm. I think that's really important now because that's changing month to month, if not sometimes week to week. Yeah. So you really have to have your finger on the pulse of what's going on more broadly in your organization and pivoting as you need to. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I think you do have to read the room <laughs> and consider the culture of your organization. If you're in an organization where every single other person is in the office except for you, that might be a challenge, right? Right. But I think in most cases, what we're seeing is that most organizations are moving towards more of a hybrid distributed model where folks are coming in some days a week and not others. So the more you can align with your boss and your coworkers, you know, perhaps everyone comes in on Wednesday and Friday, then all the better. But you do want to make sure you can leverage and maximize those in-person times when you can and that you're not just taking meetings at your computer all day, which you could be doing at home. I was going to say that I heard this tip the other day that was like, what happens is a lot of people end up going to the office one day a week or two days a week, whatever their hybrid schedule is. And they kind of just repeat what they do at home. And her advice was, no, when you were at the office, you go and you schmooze, you basically hang out in the kitchen, you hang out in the hallways, you chat with people, you have in person, you have lunch with somebody. Yeah, Yeah. Like that is like, if we had themes to our days, it's funny. I actually talked to a business owner once and she told me she has themes to her week. So like Monday is marketing, Tuesday is whatever. And one of her days was like networking. So if you wanted to chit chat with her or do whatever, it had to be, I think it was on Wednesday. It had to be on her Wednesday. And I think about that a little bit, like what are your themes that you need for your professional development? Like you don't need to learn a new skill while you're at the office. Cause you probably need to do that in a quiet environment. So like doing that at your house is great. But what you need to do while you're in the office is to your point, like share knowledge with people, like update, have lunch with them. 
all these important things that give you that proximity, but give you the most bang for your buck. And if that means that you're at the office a few less hours, because that takes a few less, you know, and I guarantee that will probably be the most exhausting day of your week. But anyway, the point being is I I thought that was a really good tip because I think too many of us are, are, are kind of like going back to the way it used to be, but it used to be five days a week in the office. So you would do a little of this here, there, there, and over five days it would add up. So that's, that's a really good tip too, is like be really strategic about the days that you are in the office. And maybe you send these emails to your boss, but the one day you're in the office is when you have your one-on-one and you pull that email up and you recap it with them, right? Something like that. So it's like, you remind them, I send you this email every week (laughs) or whatever it is. And you know, the other thing I think about with this topic of like, when your hard work is going unnoticed is that again, as a business owner, the the annoying thing about marketing something is like, we have to mention it over and over and over again. And you feel like you're really annoying customers. And I'm sure we are annoying customers at some point, but it's kind of the same thing, right? Like you, you might have to bring up what you're doing over and over and over and over again. Like you, you want to beat the dead horse of how great you are or how much you work on this thing. Am I wrong about that? <laughs> you you are not wrong about that. And I'm laughing because as a fellow business owner, I completely understand. And you're right. When I, when I talk to clients about this, I often say, once you feel sick of talking about something, yeah. then you're probably doing it at the right level. Yeah. But going back to this fact that your boss is busy, they're not a mind reader. They have their own stresses and problems and tasks that they're tracking. So it, it is a service for you to put the good work you're doing in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. And then I just want one last tip on, you know, we are in a place in with work right now where I feel like it's very important that you are doing the work that matters to, you know, bottom line. So, you know, we're, we're talking about layoffs and, you know, I think people want to get really crystal clear on this. Any like, when you are in that one-on-one conversation with your boss, like any example or script that you could give us on how to get them to let us know what is that top priority or the most important, like what is the critical thing they need from us right now? Yeah. I think going back to that question of, of explicitly asking them, what are you measured on? What are you evaluated on is very important. What are the strategic priorities for the next three months? If you have a good relationship with your boss, another great question is what keeps you up at night? Mm. You know, what are they concerned about? And usually you can get some information about what might be coming down the pike with that. And if it's possible, have a skip level meeting with your boss's boss. And that's not in an attempt to go over your boss's head, but it is in an attempt to understand. I want to be more plugged in to the organization and how I can support the team And it would be really helpful for me, boss, to meet with your superior to have a better understanding of what's going on at the leadership level. Mm -hmm. And most good managers will be happy to do that. So I I think having those skip levels can also be very, very valuable. I love it. You are just a wealth of information. Thank you. I love having these conversations with you and using the real life examples of clients is also very helpful. Melody, where can people learn more about you? I know you've got a couple books, so tell them everything and we'll put it all in the show notes as well. You can connect with me at my website, melodywilding.com. You can find my book, Trust Yourself, wherever books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. And I also have a number of LinkedIn learning courses. So check those out as well. Awesome. So we'll put all of those in the show notes. Thanks, Melody. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Career Contessa podcast. I want to remind you guys to rate our show and leave us a review because it really, really helps us. I also made sure to put links to everything I mentioned during the show in the show notes, including the email hacks. And I actually wanted to talk about one of our free downloadable resources. It's a communication guide. You can actually take this guide and send it to your boss or your coworkers and ask them to help you better understand how they prefer to be communicated with, whether that's email and those one-on-ones, do they like bullet points, do they like more paragraph form? It can be really, really, really helpful in setting the right tone for ongoing communication that you're going to be doing after this episode. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.